This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Vess Chilcutt, who had a near-death experience after her open-heart surgery, which today we're going to learn about. Vess, thank you for joining me and welcome. Thank you for having me. Uh, my, my surgery was supposed to be pretty routine. Um, my daughter said my surgery, surgery went very well. There were no problems. But after the surgery, things started to go downhill fast. Um, my organs started shutting down. My, my, actually, my hands were, were black, mm. the color black. Um, I um, was on a ventilator, trachea. They put me on dialysis. Um, everything you can think of. And they ended up having to put me in an induced coma, which I was in for three months. Mm. While in the coma, I had an awful lot of weird thoughts and things that I thought were real. But the one thing that was real is God spoke to me in the coma. And I assume I wanted to die because I had been sick for a very long time. And I, he asked me if I was sure that was what I wanted. And I remember pausing for a few minutes and I said, if it's my time, I get it. But if not, and from, from that, I don't know the time difference between talking with him and when I woke up. Um, but when I woke up, I didn't know I had already had the surgery. And I remember telling my daughter, I, I still have to have the surgery. She said, no, you already had it. Now, here's the thing. Several years ago, I was in the hospital and I thought I was going to die. I mean, all the signs were there. And I remember the same voice telling me to look towards a window, which I did. And there was a body sitting in the chair and no one had come in. And I looked away. And then when I looked again, that body was gone. But there was like a whole room of calm and peace. And I went to sleep. Well, before I went to sleep, this same voice said, you will have a testimony. Uh, then I went to sleep. So my surgery, when I when I woke up and kind of had my my thoughts, um, I remember that. I remember the voice telling me that I would have a testimony. And that was my testimony that I was at do death's door. Literally, the doctors had given up on me. They wanted to take me off life support. And my, my friend, who was my um, surrogate, medical surrogate, 
told them no to leave me on. Um, once they did leave me on, but once I woke up, doctors would come in my room and just stare at me. Um, because they didn't, they just knew I wasn't going to make it, but I did. But I, I remember thinking later on that, um, God has something else for me to do, or he would have let me go. And it took me, because uh, I always felt I was supposed to be doing something, and I, I didn't know what it was. And I would ask God all the time, please show me what it is you want to do. I believe my, my near-death experience was for a reason. And I have... Um, in the past experienced a lot of things um, in regards to spirits and things like that. And I have, I couldn't understand why I was able to see these things or feel these things when others couldn't. But knowing that I do have a purpose and I know what it is now, that's the thing after my, um, after my uh, near-death experience, I knew what I was supposed to be doing. And it just came to me. And now that I'm doing it, that feeling of, of um, feeling I need, there's something I need to be doing is gone. And I had that for years. I had that feeling for years. The, the um, near-death experience, I didn't, I didn't see, I didn't see any, anyone. I, the voice I heard was the same voice I heard when I was in the hospital years ago. And I knew it was God. I knew it was Jesus. And that gave me a lot of peace, even in the coma, because I knew things were going to be okay. But during the coma, I had some of the most bizarre things in my head. Um, I was told that it was because of the medication they had me on because they had me on a lot of medication and it caused hallucinations. I thought it was all real. I mean, in one of them, um, this man was coming at me with a, with a saw and it was on and I could hear it. When I woke up and thought about it, I heard, heard them cutting my chest. That was the sound I heard, but it it put itself into my hallucination, um, which I thought was quite interesting. But um, you know, I I've always tried to be a good person. I've always tried to help others. Um, I have no no um, fear at all anymore. I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of anything. Our world is in chaos right now. It doesn't bother me. There's a lot that's going to happen, but it doesn't bother me anymore. I um, I have so much love in my heart for everybody, you know, not just my family, but I mean every people I just meet on the street. That's why I was saying, you know, I tell my story to anyone that I meet on the street, in the store, wherever. Um, because our, our world is in um, such a bad place right now. 
And there are a lot of people that feel they don't have any hope that it's going to, it definitely is going to get worse, but I, um, I just want to impress upon people that I meet, you know, there is a God, there is a God and he brought, he is the one who brought me back. My, my doctors and my family call me a miracle because it was definitely a miracle that I'm still here. Um, and I honestly, I thank God every day. My, my um, experience, a lot of people have told me, you, that was two years ago. You should be over it by now. It doesn't go away. When you're that close to death, it does not go away. It stays with you for the rest of your life. And I'm, I'm comfortable with that. You know, it, 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 it gives me something to look forward to because during, during the episode, I was comfortable. It was so peaceful and calm when he was talking to me. If this was my experience, but I've heard other people say the same, same thing, that they are no longer afraid of death because of what they saw what they lived at that moment. Um, it was a piece like I've never felt. And I, um, I, I, did, I did deal with a lot. And it took me a long time after the surgery um, to kind of recover. I still have problems um, walking and with my hands. And it did damage to my brain because they told me that um, blood didn't get to parts of my, my brain. And those parts are basically dead. Um, and I was diagnosed with vascular dementia. That doesn't even bother me. If I were to lose my um, entire memory right now, it would not bother me. Nothing does. And that's amazing to me. I've never felt like that in my entire life. And I'm 70 years old. I've never felt like that. I've never felt the peace that I have now after having gone through that. I, I thank God every day for waking me. I thank him for the experience. I know this sounds crazy, but I thank him for putting me through that because it opened my eyes to so much. And I feel I have a lot to share with other people. And I made it my mission to do exactly that. You know, no matter what your circumstance is, it can, it can go the way you would like for it to, but you just have to believe it. I have, I have so much faith in God right now that, um, anything that came upon me, I could deal with it. Where before, you know, I was reluctant to do a lot of things. And with COVID, definitely, because I, I had breathing issues um, that were caused during the surgery. My lungs were collapsing. Parts of my lungs were collapsing. 
So I still have breathing issues, but I'm alive and I'm happy. I can't think of anything in the world that could make me happier. So from my understanding, you've been in the hospital twice. The first time you were there. I've been in the hospital nine nine times, but for your story today, you were there twice. And the first time you were there, you right. they didn't think you were going to make it, but you did make it. And while you were there, you heard God's voice tell you that you're going to have a testimony. Correct? Yes. Now, you, yes. you also mentioned that you saw a body in a chair or something, and then it disappeared. Mm-hmm. Whose body was that? My guardian angel. And I've seen my guardian angel twice, both at times where I was in um, despair in the hospital, the one in the chair. And I had a car accident and my car went down the embankment and it turned facing going back up. So I just drove it back up. There was a body standing there. And I, when I got to the top, it was only a matter of minutes. That body was gone. It had disappeared. What did it look it like? It was a man. Hmm. Yeah, it was a man. Um, I didn't see the face, but I just saw the body. Did you ever communicate with yeah. it? No, it was gone. Hmm. When I got up there, it was gone. Hmm. And I just had the feeling that that was my guardian angel. When you were on the other side and God was asking you if you wanted to stay or, or go back, basically, mm-hmm. what kind of feelings did you have? Like overwhelming love or anything? No, I felt like um, I was talking to a good friend. It was, it was like talking to a, another person. And that's how that whole conversation went. It was... Um, I wasn't overwhelmed or or anything like that. I was I was actually comfortable with it. It was just normal in my head. It was just normal to me. But that's not the first time I've heard God's voice. When you heard it the second time, did you immediately remember the first time you heard it? Mm-mm, not until after I woke up. But I didn't remember it at that moment. Can you distinguish between the weird dreams that were you were having and the time when you were actually speaking to God? I don't remember which came first. Um, the, the dream part of it, to this day, I still feel like some of it was r- real, that things that I thought about I thought I had, I, I collect dolls and I make dolls and I had bought in my head, I had bought a bunch of clothing for this doll. So my daughter stayed with me for three months, you know, to help me with my recovery. And I kept telling her to find the clothes that I bought for my doll. She said, mom, there's nothing here. I said, no, there is. Cause I remember buying it, but it was all in my head. Yeah, it was, and and one other thing, um, one of the other things I thought, we we had gone to the beach, and you know those flat fish, they're like round and flat. 
I can't like, think what they're called. Like flounder? Maybe like flounder, but they kept getting into my leg. Mm. <laughs> they kept somehow putting themselves into my leg. And I kept telling my friend, please get them out. I, um, it was just very strange. That part of it was strange. Have you noticed any other abilities after your NDE that you haven't had prior? There, I mean, I, I, I honestly see spirits. I haven't in a while now, but I, I see spirits. Um, and I can tell if it's a good spirit or evil spirit. Um, there are things that I know before they happen. Um, and my kids, my kids think I'm just crazy, but I, they will tell you, mom says that it's going to happen. So that's the only thing I can think of that. How do you, how do you tell the difference between a good versus a bad spirit? You can feel it. You, the evil ones you can feel if you're, the room fills up with just evil and the non-evil ones, it's peaceful. It's, it's not, it isn't scary or anything. It's just very peaceful. I, um, I'm not afraid of spirits and demons. They don't scare me at all. If they were to stand in front of me right now, it, it wouldn't bother me. You know, I know I'm a child of God and that's what matters. He's going to protect me regardless. What inspires you about your experience? To give God's word out to people. I don't want to see anyone lost. Um, there are a lot of people who don't believe there is an afterlife. I know there is. I know definitely that there is. And I don't want people, a lot of people have said that they were taking, taken to hell and they experienced hell. I, I wasn't, I was not taken there and I'm very thankful for that. But like I said, you know, I try to be a good person and I try to show that to everybody I meet. You know, I have, I, I love people and if I can help them in any way, spiritually or, or any other way, I do my best to do that. Has the memory of this experience faded? Not at all. No, it's with me every day. Do you feel like you're still processing it? I think I've pretty much processed it. You know, in, in actuality, when I'm thinking about it, I get a good feeling. I get a good feeling from just thinking about it and how blessed I was that it happened to me and God brought me back. How does your family and friend feel about your experience when you tell them about it? <laughs> my friend, my medical surrogate, <laughs> when I talked to him once I, was, once I was able to talk because I couldn't talk or walk when I woke up. But um, he said, please don't put me through that again. But my family, um, my family calls me Lazarus. My family is very close, very tight. And they had all started preparing for my death. 
the doctor gave me a few days to live according to them. So they had started preparing um, and they support me. They, they know what happened to me was real. They are, all of them know that. If you met somebody who is grieving over the loss of a loved one, what kind of advice would you give them? You know how people say they're, they're in a better place. That's a wrong thing to tell someone. What you want to do is put them at ease. Let them know that they're in good hands and God's going to take care of them as well as you. It's not, um, I, I, I don't like the way that people communicate with those who have lost family members because nothing you say at that point is going to stick with them in regards to, like I said, they're in a better place. They're, they're in good hands. But you need to make them comfortable. You need to let them know that aside from you being in God's hands, you're in my prayers and my thoughts. Would you say that God's voice is a male voice? It was a male voice both times. Sometimes people wake up and they're either angry or depressed that they're back here. Did that happen to you? Mm-mm. No. I, um, my thoughts were with my children because my children and I are, are extremely close. We can almost read each other's minds. My thought was there. You know, I, I knew I had to be here for them. Mm-hmm. Because whenever it does happen, my kids are going to be devastated. And I know that. Do you feel like it was more real on the other side than here? It was very real. There was no denying what was going on. And, and being in the coma, what, what I find interesting is everything that happened during that time it's like it just happened yesterday with me. I can remember every single moment of that. Prior to God speaking to me, I don't remember anything but those crazy dreams or whatever they were. But I don't know. But I, I do know this. The world that I was in before my NDE is completely different now. I see everything differently than I did before. I know there is a spirit world. I know that there's life after death. You know, it's, um, I talked to several people who have gone through it. And like I said, a lot of people had pretty much the same experience. A lot of them said the same thing about death. They're no longer afraid. Um, it's very interesting to me, and I don't think it'll ever leave my consciousness. I think it's always going to be a part of me because you don't get that close to death and forget about it. It stays with you. Do you think your purpose or your mission is to be spreading the message about what happened to you? No, it's about spreading the message of God. This was something that he did for me. He, he, he um, performed a miracle. 
God did not stop performing miracles when he went to heaven. You know, he did it the whole, Jesus did it the whole time he was here on earth. And I don't know, it's, um, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just thankful. I'm just very thankful that I'm still here. You also mentioned that things are going to get worse here on earth. Do you have some kind of precognition that society's going to break down or something? I do. I definitely do. The, um, the world that we knew growing up is no longer. It is no longer, and it's going to get a whole lot worse um, in regards to food. The world is going to be short of food all over, not just in remote countries. And that's going to be everywhere, the United States, Europe, everywhere. There's going to be um, a lot of crime um, because people who are out there who don't have a means for getting food they're going to be robbing people, breaking into homes and taking what they can get. I just believe that. Is this something that you saw after your NDE or while you're in the coma? No, after. It came to me after. Is it kind of like a vision, like a download or something? I'm not sure. It's just something I feel, something I know. Kind of like a knowingness? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of probably like the things when your kids say, mama knows something's going to happen. Yeah. Let me tell you this in regards to that. This was before my NDE. And I remember I was sitting watching my kids. They were young then, watching their shows like Sesame Street and all of that. And I remember jump, jumping up off the sofa and I said, something just happened to your dad. A few minutes later, I got a call. He had been cut. He was at work and he had gotten cut. Uh, I've had, prior to my NDA, I had experience like that all the time. So you've already had some type of precognitive ability. You said you've been in the hospital many times. Is it possible Mm -hmm. you had a NDE before and you didn't recognize it? I don't think so. I don't think I did. It's just the things that I I know just happen. You know, I just, but things have intensified now after my NDE. After your NDE, do you have any precognitive dreams? I, I, this is, I'm glad you said that. Um, The dreams that I have are, like you standing in front of me right now. They're very real. I um I I've thought a lot of things during these these moments. It's um I don't know how to describe them, but it's like it's happening. Whatever it is I'm I'm dreaming about or whatever, it's happening. And sometimes like I I prayed and said Lord, please, if I could just hear my mom's voice one more time, 
And I remember my son called me and said, mom, I just sent you something. It was um, a recording of my mom and I hadn't said anything to my son, but God heard me and he, he answered it that day. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Are you up for that? Sure. What's the best way to contact yep. you? Either Facebook or text. And what is your Facebook profile name? I have to look. It's Vess Jordan Tardy Chilcut. Before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? For everyone, this applies to me and everyone else, look up. Our redemption draws nigh. We're going to be okay. We are all going to be okay. It's going to be a little rough for a while, but it's going to get better. This is life. Vess, thank you for that message, and thank you for being my guest. Thank you so much. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara Podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.